Hello, this is Angela Schaefers, the host of Your Story Matters radio show. If you have questions or comments about today's show, please contact us at www.yourstorymatters.net. You may also call us internationally at 877-272-2481. We welcome your questions, comments, and any other information you'd like to share about a potential guest. I am talking with Doug Stevenson today. He is a speaker, trainer, author, and coach, and founder of Story Theater International. Hi, Doug. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Glad to have you. I love all the exciting things you do. Of course, it's right along my alley of telling stories and using stories effectively to share with others about what we're doing. Before we talk about Story Theater International, can you tell our listeners some of your background and your story as far as what led up to doing what you do today? Well, like most of the people listening, I've had quite a diverse background full of lots of bumps and bruises along the way. My original intention of life in life was to be an actor, to be a movie star. And so at the age of 19, I dropped out of college to study acting full time. Uh, I just didn't think college was going to do it. So I got into acting workshops in Chicago and studied improv and scene study. And then at uh, the age of 22, I hitchhiked to Hollywood where I uh, decided that I was going to stake my claim to fame. And I spent 13 years in Hollywood giving it everything I had. Uh, made a little bit of success, but not actually the kind of success I had intended to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, as many actors who go to Hollywood discover, uh, it's pretty complex and it's not based on talent. So I had a good time. I did some plays. I did some theater. I did a little bit of movies and TV. Had a great time. Learned a lot. And at the age of 35, realized, okay, need to move on. So I went to Colorado Springs, Colorado, where I now reside. I became a realtor because mm-hmm. I wanted to have a real job and a real house and a real car and a real normal life for a change. Mm-hmm. And in real estate, I discovered that there was a profession called speaking. Mm-hmm. Very and good. So I started giving motivational keynote speeches. And story theater evolved out of my being able to perform stories in a way that was different than the other professional speakers around me were performing stories, and they actually saw me do a showcase of one of my signature stories, my streaking story, and uh, the other professional speakers in my National Speakers Association group said, could you teach me how to do what you're doing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, of course, when we are forced to teach what we do organically, we start to figure out, well, what is it that I do step by step? How do I break it down? How do I analyze it? And how would I transfer this knowledge? Exactly. And that was where story theater came from. Story theater came from a desire on other people's part to figure out what I was doing so differently. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Now, before we talk more about that, tell us about your childhood. I mean, we don't all wake up and say, I'm moving to Hollywood, I'm going to be a superstar. What were the things that were experience, if you will, your story during childhood that made you feel like Hollywood was the place to go, being an actor was something you craved and wanted to experience? Because as you know, at Your Story Matters, that's what we like to share is where did those dreams and those things that start creating that desire to do something, even if it's something as awesome as, you know, going to Hollywood and, and becoming an actor, what would you say sparked some of your interest and your passion? That is a fascinating question, and um, I've never been asked it in quite that way in terms of what is my personal story and the foundations. I know that as a child, uh, I was very influenced by 
uh, my mom and my dad and the um, the church group that they were involved in, they'd put on skits and they'd wear costumes and they'd do all kinds of crazy things once a year. And my dad was, uh, he wasn't a performer, but he was very definitely someone who was always at the front of the room. Uh, he had a beautiful singing voice. He would sing Gilbert and Sullivan and Camelot songs in the shower in the morning. Mm-hmm. And um, he was the uh, leader of every group that I ever saw. He was a Cub Scout leader, a Boy Scout leader. So I saw what it was like when someone was at the front of the room mm-hmm. and they commanded that attention. And I think that was a major influence on me. But then as a child also, I grew up in the 50s mm-hmm. and the 60s. And back then there were these uh, fabulous Bob Hope and Bing Crosby movies. There was Laurel and Hardy mm-hmm. and uh, Abbott and Costello. Um, and as I evolved a little bit um Further forward, I was watching Carol Burnett shows and different things, and I just had an intuitive sense. I would say it's more of a spiritual bent towards being that person at the front of the room. I was always very clowny and silly and playful. Mm -hmm. I was only nine years of age, but for some reason I had this instinct. Mm -hmm. Now, I started acting as soon as I could. I didn't have any acting Um, in high school. There just wasn't any theater. But as soon as I could get going in college and then out of college, I started to apply myself. And immediately I started to realize when I was in acting class, this is a natural thing for me. This is Mm -hmm. really something that I have to start from scratch and figure out. I am just, I've got an actor DNA in my blood. And later on in life, I actually did a lot of uh, Shakespeare and felt a real connection with Shakespeare mm-hmm. and have since been to England and uh, been to Stratford-upon-Avon where Shakespeare was born. And I've always believed, and I think many people will understand these kinds of intuitive beliefs or understandings, I believe that I was an actor in many, many, many lifetimes. I believe mm-hmm. I've been doing this forever. So it's not just that I woke up one day and said I want to be an actor. It's kind of like I just woke up and remembered Oh, yeah, I'm an actor. I guess I'll have to figure that out. Right. That's great. I love that you share that because I really believe that each of us have a specific purpose and passion, and sometimes we don't figure out what that is or we don't realize it or we don't have the opportunities to put that into action. So I really wanted the audience to be able to understand that about you, how this kind of all accumulated into what you're doing now. And I want to talk a little bit about that experience you had in Hollywood. You talked about, you know, making an effort and learning the things you did there and eventually moving on. Can you share with the audience some of those struggles and the things that you really learned, not just about yourself, but about that journey that you were on? Because you had expectations and a hope that you would go there and something would work out the way that you had hoped for. Well, of course, we always have this idyllic vision of the way life is going to work out, don't we? Absolutely. I believe that somewhere around the age of 13, I made the decision that I was going to uh, be an actor, that I was going to pursue acting with the intention of being able to make people laugh and make people feel good. Mm -hmm. When I was 13, I saw a movie with John Wayne and Red Buttons, and they were, uh, it's called Hatari. And they were in Africa catching animals for American zoos. So they were catching giraffes and they were catching, they had these baby elephants and they had monkeys. And I just thought, my God, that looks like fun. And I'm having such a good time watching this. Mm -hmm. So my intention 
to be an actor was very pure. It was to be of service. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, to express my creative uh, need. Now, when I got to Hollywood, you immediately become part of a very, very complex culture where you are competing with hundreds of thousands of people who've come to Hollywood to be actors. And you try to figure out, well, how will I be seen? How will I be noticed? Mm -hmm. And of course, as an actor, what do you do? You do plays. I mean, you do theater. That's what you can do. You can practice your craft. You can study acting. But the only way you're going to be seen is not in acting class. You have to do plays. So I started to do a lot of plays and theater. And it turned out that I was really drawn to theater. But the people in Hollywood that are looking for actors on TV are more drawn to comedians in improv workshops. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing the wrong kind of theater to be noticed in the right kind of way. And it always was a challenge for me to figure out how do you solve this puzzle of mm -hmm. being seen in the right vehicle, connecting with the right people, getting the right agent. Um, I had to learn how to be very aggressive in terms of marketing and selling myself. I would go door to door to agents and just walk in the door and say, hi, I'm an actor. And I, you know, I just did all of these very, very aggressive and crazy things. I learned a lot about myself after leaving Hollywood in that I spent so much of my time in Hollywood trying to figure out what they wanted me to be, mm -hmm. what it would take for me to be successful. How could I change myself? into what I thought they wanted. How could I become a marketable commodity? Mm -hmm. In the process, I lost myself. I started doing all kinds of crazy things to be noticed, uh, plays that I wasn't very proud of, uh, making, making life choices that, that at, in retrospect appeared very desperate. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't know it at the time, only, only recognized it when it really got bad towards the end, but realized that I had become incredibly codependent Mm. and incredibly needy to uh, make a success of myself at any cost, at any way that I possibly could. And that vision that I had at the beginning of, but I want to make people feel good, I want to make people happy, it became, I want to be a movie star. I mm -hmm. want to get rich. Mm -hmm. And it went completely away from the service, uh, the integrity of the service to mankind while fulfilling my destiny. And it just became greedy, greedy, I need a movie, I need a TV thing, I need to make some money, I need to get rich. Mm -hmm. And so I learned a lot about how I kind of lost my soul there. I got, uh, I got way sidetracked and I got very confused and I got very off course. Mm -hmm. uh, and leaving was literally a case of saying to myself, I don't know where I'm going. Mm -hmm. I just know I need to leave. Mm -hmm. I have to get out. I have to reclaim my soul. Mm -hmm. And so it was a real... It was a positive journey because I don't have any regrets about having gone after my dream. Mm -hmm. I was in movies. I was on TV. I did get to do incredible theater. I made some amazing relationships. I had an incredible life journey. Uh, but at the end of the day, the lesson for me was you have to be true to yourself. You have to maintain your soul and you have to know what your purpose in life is and stick to it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's very easy to get completely pulled off course, which that, I did. That's right. I love everything you just said. It is so in line with what we're trying to do here at Your Story Matters is that it's okay to go out there and you know reach for our dreams and try things and it's okay for those things to not work because I think the bottom line is exactly what you said 
when we are not really fulfilling our life purpose and when we're not able to be who we truly are, we're missing the whole idea of fulfilling the dream. So thank you very much for sharing all of that. I hope that any of the listeners who are on a path and on a journey right now that they may be struggling in, that they consider your words and your thoughts about, is this really serving me as a person? Because that really has to mesh with the other things, the success, the money, um, the notoriety, whatever it is. I actually have found um, a greater fulfillment and success by being a teacher and a coach and a speaker than I ever did as an actor. And yet the paradigm when I was a kid is, well, of course, everybody respects actors and they get Academy Awards and actors are wonderful and they're rich. And that was the only model that I saw. Mm -hmm. Little did I know that you can let go of the box that you've put your dream inside of and you can find a bigger box. Absolutely. Just much more expansive and fulfilling. I'm actually teaching acting now. Mm-hmm. to speakers and executives and salespeople in a different form. I'm not teaching them to act on stage, but I'm teaching them to use techniques of acting. Well, I couldn't be teaching any of that had I not studied it for 25 years. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So you went on to Colorado and you went into real estate and then you started training and speaking and things like that. How did it evolve into Story Theater International? Well, once again, when I became a professional speaker, when I was moving from real estate into professional speaking, the model, the box that I put myself in was motivational keynote speaker. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be that main platform keynote speaker who opened a conference or did the after lunch keynote speech, but I wanted to be that star. So I still had that mentality of I need to be the star, I need to be the movie star. It's just now I need to be the speaking star, which is a keynote speaker. Mm-hmm. Well, I was doing a lot of keynote speeches, but during this time, that's when the other speakers were saying, come on, teach me how to do this. And I started to hold what I called story theater retreats. Mm-hmm. And I would get a, you know six or eight people in a room, and we'd work for a couple of days on their stories. And I discovered that I had an intuitive ability to coach and to teach this stuff that not only blew them away, but surprised me because it was effortless for me. And while I was doing the keynote speaking and getting really busy with keynotes and flying all over the country and staying in hotels and dealing with airports, and this was when it was easy before all the 9-11 stuff and all the security lines, I was getting really burned out on the road and was finding that sometimes I would give a keynote and walk away very unfulfilled mm-hmm. because I really didn't have any connection. Mm-hmm. But when I did a story theater retreat with six people, I just came home and I was just high. I was just so joyous because I was absolutely using my God-given gift and I was doing the work that I was put on this planet to do, finally. Mm-hmm. I found That's great. But my brain was saying, but wait a minute, the model is keynote speaking. Mm -hmm. That's where you get your kudos. That's where you make the money. That's where you get your uh, ego stroked. The story theater retreats, well, that's where I got my heart and soul stroked, but there wasn't much money there, and I couldn't see how I could make a business out of that. Well, over the years, I realized that if I put all of my energy into storytelling and story theater and writing the book and creating the audios and the videos, that perhaps that could be my livelihood. Perhaps that could be what I wanted to do. Well, that was starting in 1996, and by the time the world came around to recognizing the power of storytelling in business, in corporate America, in in all of these different venues, 
I had already been doing story theater retreats and teaching story theater and coaching people for many, many, many years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's awesome. And so you just kind of built upon what you knew in your heart, what you had already been learning and practicing, and it just grew into what you're doing now. Yes, I turned my attention away from what I thought I was supposed to be doing and turned my attention to what felt organically and spiritually like this is my true unique gift on the planet. And also I had an incredible amount of encouragement from my wife who was saying, honey, this is your thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you like to do keynotes, but this is your thing. And all my students were saying, Doug, this is your thing. You're amazing at this. And so I finally had to let go of my, my brain was saying is, how can you make money with this? Right. And go with what my heart was saying, which is, if you just do what you're absolutely amazingly brilliant at and unique at and you love, we'll just see what happens. And eventually my income, you know, has probably increased about four or five or six times to what it used to be when I was a keynote speaker because now I own this niche Mm -hmm. called Story Theater. That's awesome. And that is a great tip for our listeners who are struggling that need to hold on, that need to remember that if they're doing exactly what they're, you know, designed to do, it will happen for them. They will create that success that they desire. And it's sometimes shifting that perception of putting the money first and instead putting your dream first and your passion first and knowing what that is for you as an individual. Very, very good information for you to share with our listeners today, Doug. So can you tell us then, although you did all this stuff and you had the courage to make the change and to take other paths and to open your box even wider, as you said, what did you do when you had those times of discouragement or doubt? Were there times when you thought, you know what, Maybe I should just put this all on the shelf and, you know, go work at, you know, a bank or something else. I mean, I know you were doing real estate, but sometimes I think that as entrepreneurs, we get that feeling once in a while that we could just go to a nine to five job and it would be so much simpler. What do you think? Well, um, I I have a feeling that you will relate to this statement. I am unemployable. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I cannot work for somebody else. I've never been able to work for somebody else and make it work. I'm just not an employee. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a creative person. And mm-hmm. I have always been able to figure out where can I work that gives me autonomy and that gives me freedom and allows me to create. Uh, I have been homeless in Los Angeles. I have been flat broke in Colorado Springs. I have a tendency to be the kind of guy who jumps off the cliff and then as he's falling towards, you know, his, his impending death, turns around and says, oh, my God, I forgot the parachute. Somebody throw me a parachute. <laughs> so I am, I'm that kamikaze creative guy who takes a lot of chances. Now, I have learned throughout my life to be a little bit more pragmatic than I was when I made stupid choices in Hollywood and ended up homeless living in my car. Mm-hmm. I've learned to be a little bit more pra- pragmatic, and thank God I married the woman of my dreams who also holds my feet to the fire and says, come on, honey, there's two of us now. Let's make some smart decisions. Mm-hmm. That's great. But I have, I, have, um, I have persevered. I have learned that discipline, which is the hardest thing for me to do, is the thing that will set me free. Being able to sit myself down and write an article once a month. Uh, I, I have been writing an article once a month for 11 years and sending it out to my newsletter list. I wrote my book. It took me two and a half years to sit down and write that book and write that book and rewrite that book and write it over again. Mm -hmm. I will give myself assignments. 
So when I'm discouraged, I just keep I just keep moving forward. I get on the phone, I make the phone calls, I do the marketing, I do the sales, I create the websites, I create things and put them out into the world. I get on LinkedIn and Facebook and I work it. Mm-hmm. You know, I work it. I don't just sit here waiting for the phone to ring. I work it. I get out and I go places and I speak and I give things away for free. I do things for free that will get me uh, noticed and I've just figured out how to work the business of the speaking business, and now it it uh, it works. Mm-hmm. It comes to me. I have created an attractiveness for people in the world, and they know where to find me. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great tip to share: is that you keep going, you keep trying different things, and you keep working. And I think I found myself as I do that, then I am naturally encouraged because someone is excited about what I'm doing or wants to, you know, purchase the book or be involved in the radio show, whatever it is. So it's a really good thing to really keep going, keep going, because you just never know, and you probably know this yourself, when that one person is going to be interested and want to do something with you or have you come and do something at their company, organization, etc. Yeah, the greatest challenge, I think, for a lot of entrepreneurs and people who um, are storytellers in their heart but can't figure out how to make it pay you have to get out into the world and you have to let people see you. You have to create product, which is speeches and stories and, and books and tapes and everything, but a speech or a presentation is a product. Mm-hmm. A really amazing story, the kind of stories that I teach people how to do that are 8 and 10 and 12-minute pieces of theater that teach a business message, these are products. And you've mm-hmm. got to put that product out into the marketplace, and it's got to be visible everywhere on the Internet and, and, and in person and in your community and all over the place. You've got to continually push yourself out there. And the phrase that I use to help people to understand how to do this is simply this, love yourself and let them watch. I love it. That's a great one. That's awesome, Doug. Thank you for sharing that. So, you have graciously donated a book to your Story Matters radio show to share with one of our listeners. It's called The Story Theater Method, and I am so excited that we'll be able to give one out to one of the listeners. When they comment about the show, either on Facebook or via the website, or give us a call and mention your show and something they learned of value from it, we will send them out the book after we pick from all the names that have um uh, participated. Can you tell the listeners about the book? And you mentioned t- taking a while to write, but tell us what the book includes and what types of things they can learn from your book, Story Theater Method. Well, people had been encouraging me to take what I'd been teaching and put it into a book form for a long time. And as I sat down to write the book, the reason it took me so long is, for one, I'm, I, I have a real hard time sitting still for a long time, but the other one is trying to figure out how do I explain all of these techniques that I've learned over the year and that I'm evolving and, and, and figuring out and teaching to people, how do I do this in such a precise way that somebody can read the book and then they can get up and do it? The challenge that I've had with so many of the books that talk about story is they don't really break it down and teach you how. Mm-hmm. They kind of give you vague ideas about how, But I come from a theater background, and theater and movies are very, very technical. You know exactly when to move, when to be still, what to do in between the words, how to use staging, how to create a three-dimensional space that people participate in in the audience in their imagination. And so the book teaches 
basically three things. It's got a lot of philosophy around concepts and philosophies around presentation that are very uh, counterintuitive based on my acting background, but it teaches you basically three things. How to identify the stories that you want to teach, that you want to use to teach the lessons that you want to teach. How do you craft those stories? How do you write them? How do you, how do you write and craft and develop the architecture of the story so that it's as powerful as Titanic or Star Wars or any good movie? Because mm -hmm. I teach that a good story is more like a movie than a report. Mm -hmm. So how to choose them, how to craft them using my nine steps of story structure, and then how to perform them using a combination of narrative and acting. That's great. I love that. So it's really for anybody who wants to be able to share a story. It's not just about writing a book or, or things like that. You could use it in business. You could use it as a speaker. Is that correct? You can use these stories to promote your business, to help people to understand what it is that you do. I've had people come to me, and in one hour, they've been able to increase their sales by 400% just by speaking at Rotary Clubs. And you can use it as a professional speaker, using the stories in your keynotes, in your trainings. If you're a trainer, how can you illuminate a topic, illuminate an idea, make the room come alive? So you can use it in many, many forms. But the type of stories that I teach are very, very structured, mm -hmm. brilliantly performed, and replicable. In mm -hmm. other words, these aren't stories that you just kind of hang out with and ad lib, and they're not just narrative. They're literally mini-movies, mm -hmm. and uh, they are so powerful that they persuade and influence people to change their perspective about what you're talking about. They help people to buy into your ideas, but they also help people to change their perspectives and see things in a new way. And that's one of the hardest things to do with people is to be persuasive and influential in a way that gently encourages them to change their mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that's awesome that you have such a tool for people to use because, as you know, especially now with social media and the various ways that we can touch people all over the world, we really have to have clear content, a clear message to get our point across because there's so many others trying to share their things, their methods, their coaching, their books, their product, whatever. So I love the whole premise of the book, and I think whoever wins the book will be very, very pleased with having the opportunity to read what you've shared. Can you tell our listeners now more about um, Story Theater International, all that you do? Because I know there's several things, so I want to make sure you have the opportunity to share those different services and how they can get in touch with you and find out more. Well, my business is divided up into three, um, three or four core areas. Number one are the keynotes. I still do keynotes on emotional eloquence, on uh, Aikido selling, which is using stories to sell, on uh, the power to persuade, the magic of story, which is what are stories and how do you use them in a business context. So I do a lot of keynotes that revolve around the use of story and metaphor. I also do a lot of corporate training where I go out and do one- or two-day trainings helping leaders, helping salespeople, helping marketers to learn how to use stories to more effectively engage and persuade people. Uh, I also do um, a lot of story theater retreats here in Colorado Springs in my studio, the Peak View Studio. People fly here from all over the world, and the retreats are two and a half days with only four people. Mm. And we work very intensively for two and a half days on one story, showing people how 
to polish the story, how to craft the story, how to brand the message of the story. People get videotape coaching. It's it's a very intimate and transformational experience. Mm-hmm. So there's the keynotes, the training, and the retreats. And then the fourth area is obviously the products, the books, the tapes, the audios, the podcasts, the things that people can, uh, the learning resources that people can purchase to study at home and learn more about this, the book and the Story Theater Six Pack being one of them, the 21-step How to Write and Deliver a Dynamite Speech System. So I'm very good at creating systems so that people can purchase these learning uh, learning programs and then learn these things at home. Mm-hmm. So my business is uh, is worldwide. I just got back from 25 days doing Story Theater in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. I'll be flying to Spain this summer. I'm all over the United States and Canada on a regular basis. So it's uh, it's a quite diverse quite diverse uh, career, and mm-hmm. then of course there's the individual coaching. I've got a gentleman coming in here uh, Thursday and Friday for two days to do one-on-one coaching, crafting the keynote from his book. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I love that, and so many great opportunities to learn from you or through your products. And where would the listeners go to find out more about your um, services and to contact you? Well, they can go to uh, www.storytelling-in-business.com, and at storytellinginbusiness.com, they can sign up for the free newsletter that comes out once a month. They can read about the different uh, programs and products and learn more about what I do, and uh, the newsletter lets people know where I am and what I'm doing. So once again, that's www.storytelling hyphen in hyphen business dot com or if people want to um, send me an email they can just send it to Doug at Doug Stevenson dot com. That's Doug Stevenson D O U G S T E V E N S O N Doug at Doug Stevenson dot com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Doug. And to all you listeners, if you would like to be entered to win a copy of Doug's book, Story Theater Method, be sure to make a comment either at the Your Story Matters Radio Show Facebook page or at our website, www.yourstorymatters.net. Thank you for listening today, and we look forward to having you join us again next week.